Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It's the IGN UK podcast. <laughs> That's such a crap start. What an intro! Oh god, I'm sh- I'm I I meant to not be working today, and then I stupidly off to do the podcast. And it turns out I've picked a very busy day, and everyone, no one else can do it. So here I am. Uh, I landed from LA like 15 hours ago. So um, how are you feeling? Tired, jet lagged. But just so just full to the brim with exciting gaming news, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh it was a big week of announcements, wasn't it? Um <laughs> I haven't slept much. Uh, let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Let's just talk about game. How how are your weeks? Let, let me let me know. How are your weeks, uh, Emma and Jesse? I'm Simon, by the way. This is good, isn't it? <laughs> Took us a little while to get an introduction. It's been absolutely fine. Not as busy as yours, but it's been nice watching all the announcements to have somewhat of a E3, not E3 week. Some shows better than others. Mm -hmm. Capcom. Um, But yeah, overall pretty pretty fun. Yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah, it kind of it felt more like E3 than it has done for a few years. This this one, yeah, for sure. Not quite back to. I mean, we'll probably never quite sadly get back to what it was, but. Yeah, this week there was some good stuff and a lot of good games to talk about, I think, and some surprises, which uh, we'll get to as well. We'll go briefly through some of those. Then we've got some games that people have actually played we can talk about, which is exciting, rather than just watch trailers of. And also maybe a little bit of film chat, because Emma, you've been talking to the director of the latest Transformers film, so we can drop that in as well. Isn't it just infinitely exciting? And do you know what looks infinitely exciting as well? (laughs) Starfield. Oh, it My, really does. Oh god. oh, God. Like, I am not only delirious through lack of sleep, but I'm just... This game has made me delirious. Like, it's the game I've always dreamt of playing. And I'm not going to lie, the past year, I was getting slowly worried. It was still my most anticipated game. I couldn't mm. wait to play it. Still can't wait to play it. Last time they showed it, it was like, mm, I'm not quite sure this is what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have they showed much gameplay before they did the presentation? Because I can't they'd really remember the timeline. Last Was it last year or the year before they had like a 10 to 15 minute like Starfield section and they showed a bit of the gameplay and the, the gunplay didn't look fantastic? Yeah, that's what I remember. Um, and they didn't really show off, I think, what the crux of the game was. Whereas this time, we got a big old 45 minute Starfield direct. And let me tell you, I've already watched this three times. Um, <laughs> I I just, it is the game I wanted it to be. And I'm so, yeah. you know, it's not come out yet. And who's to say it's going to run smoothly when it comes out and all of that. But at the moment, it looks like it's exactly the game I dreamt it would be. Mm. And I just, I, I just, I just want to build my own ships. <laughs> just looking at that alone, I was like, it's just, it looks like. No Man's Sky, and I, I've always enjoyed No Man's Sky, and I only think it's gotten better and better as it's um, actually been developed over time. But yeah. um, it looks like No Man's Sky with a whole Bethesda RPG built on top of it, and I'm just, I can't, I can't believe it's real, it, frankly. And 
Yeah. It's only I like just, 80 days away, which is I know, insane. I, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take over my life. But yeah, like, are you guys as excited? As me? Can anyone be as excited about this than me? I, I don't know. I, I, before that presentation started, I hadn't really been thinking about Starfield at all because that last presentation you mentioned when they showed a little bit of the gunplay, I was like, it just looks uh, not as great as... Because Fallout 4's combat was the sort of like turning point for Bethesda, like first person shooters, I guess. They sort of improved it over, you know, what you could do in Fallout 3 and stuff like that. But I wasn't impressed then. And then watching this presentation, I was just, I was blown away. Because like you, this has been a game. This is the type of game I've been waiting for near enough since I was a kid. Because when I was a kid, I had like a little trial disc for Star Wars Galaxies. And that was like, wow, an open world Star Wars adventure that I can play on my computer. And it's amazing. And I can like own my own spaceship and you know fly around different planets and then that died and then in 2012 like what squadron 42 and star citizen was announced that's still being developed and nowhere near close to completion and then starfield all the advancements that have come from previous bethesda games with current gen hardware and it's a, just an epic cinematic space adventure and it's open yeah. what open planet open universe, system yeah open thousand, universe over a thousand planets yeah um, like it's it is exactly the kind of game I want, and the presentation cemented that because there's so many little mm-hmm. different things. Even like you said, you know, being able to build your own spaceship, assigning crew to that spaceship, mm-hmm. and getting your companions on board. Like whether you want to have a little cargo hauler or you know, like a, a big attack fire and stuff. Like you can, it seems like you can make those choices, and that's all I've ever wanted from a, a space game. Yeah, I love how it's kind of based much more in, although it's obviously a sci-fi game, based much more in our sort of, you know, it's looking back at the space race and NASA and all of that as much as it is looking at, like, far-fung fantasy stuff. Like, I like how all the ships and the uniforms and the cities, like, look modern, but also look like kind of like lo-fi space. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm just into that aesthetic so much. it It looks more closer to, like, something I would expect the people in alien would wear or aliens and stuff it's like it's still sci-fi but a little bit bulky and a little bit realistic not like mm-hmm. you know slim fitting marvel cgi nano suits that yeah. have just like yeah because like you want i want to be able to see all like you know the wires and the breathing spaces and all the other stuff i want to just see the bulk of space yeah. and it seems like this game's going to provide that like, it looks like so excitingly new but at the same time like so kind of like comfortingly familiar to me as well like it feels like a skyrim or a fallout the, the way everyone was speaking and like yeah i'm just so glad it still like seems to have plenty of that humor that mm. like fallout and skyrim do like and some of like the perks like that was it the adoring <coughs> fan who will just follow you around the <laughs> yeah, whole exactly. time? even being able to have like what choosing one of the little perks or character quirks where you have a family you can go back to yeah. your mum and dad and they're just super proud of you and just want to see how you're getting yeah. on that's so is. sweet. Yeah. I want that one. I need that reinforcement in my life. I <laughs> yeah. for that. And I'm a surprised. I'd like a jetpack. Parents oh, and a jetpack. That's the jetpack really looks need. cool. They're like, yeah, yeah. what do they call it? Like a boost pack or something. Mm-hmm. When they were using that in the combat, it looks so fun to just like zoom around and like shoot. Um, I'm just so surprised that they showed so much of it in one go. I don't think I was expecting like 45 minutes or oh, no. however long it was, but yeah. I'm all in. It looks amazing. It looks incredible. Yeah. Only, like you said, Jesse, like two, what, three months away now, roughly. Oh, yeah, and I think, like, it's just crazy because, like, you sort of got 
you look at No Man's Sky and how it launched in the state it was in and how it's just progressively turned into, you know, this wonderful experience of so many different like little expansions and updates and stuff. And then to have all of those additions, which is like, wow, those are cool things that they've added to No Man's Sky. And now, like, I guess it's not really fair to compare what is probably a 15 person team on No Man's Sky, you know, mm. to the like yeah. monolith, which is Bethesda. But to finally have just... I wouldn't say this is a dream game of mine, but like this is something I've been wanting to play since I was a kid. And it, it just see, it actually looks fun as well, which is the main thing. Cause I think back at Bethesda games, you know, like if you just being able to transition from first person to third person and the way the weapons look like they handle the animations associated with that, it looks good. And I feel like they must've learned a lot from Id yeah. on Doom and stuff like that, bringing that over to I think they Starfield. have had conversations with them, yeah, about gunplay. Um, it's, not, it's obviously not going to be Doom's gunplay, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. they have words of them, I think, on, like, uh, pacing and en- enemy encounters specifically. But, like, we had a big interview with Todd Howard that Ryan mm. McCaffrey did at, um, in LA, and he, Todd Howard said some, like, words that were just the most music to my ears you've ever heard he was like i can read a quote here he said i think the flow of of starfield probably has more of a feeling of red dead 2 it's more like living the western fantasy in space i'm just like oh my god (laughs) that is perfect for you (laughs) i was just like like, i just i can't wait i I think i think the only sort of reservation i have and it's the same sort of thing you like everyone got like really excited about with no man's skies that when you pull that map back and there's you know a mm. hundred planets here and 200 planets there and stuff like i know some of it is procedurally generated with hand-picked content inside it but is it really going to be that i'll scan you know i might scan one planet and it'll be like oh there's a five resources there i'll get those resources leave never go back to that planet again yeah. or there might be a little outpost here but it's just like one outpost next to yeah. a bunch of other planets that just have resources like that's, I think that's the main thing I'm hung up on. Obviously, you're going to have those big, like, handcrafted mm-hmm. planets where you the, the major cities and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. how is that really going to transfer yeah, I mean, over to those 1,000 planets? He said, like, a small fraction of those 1,000, the main story will lead you towards. Then there'll be side quests on some, but, yeah, some of them will just be, like, there'll be some cool aliens. There might be, I don't know, some camps to take out or just yeah. some, like resources so, you know the main story is not going to tell you take you everywhere but i suppose there's always bethesda have always done expansions for their games as well like yeah they can course. just introduce new stuff like i just and to, to i'm be struggling fair, like like it can only let me down at this point because oh. in my head i've built up so far <laughs> but i now have more confidence in it than ever like i wanted to watch this 45 minutes at the start of it and like i was praying like just don't let me be any less excited than i am and i came away somehow like even more excited for this game yeah i I had zero expectations going in and now i am excited for sure um but i'm just just waiting to see what it's like and also when it comes to any bethesda game like you said there's always going to be quite a few expansions and if they have that modding capability that all Mm -hmm. the previous bethesda games had there's going to be someone who's like i've created an entire planet worth of mods for you to just experience and this is my creation like i think that's quite understated how the potential for this game to grow, especially since, you know, you can, you know, set your home base among the stars and stuff like that. You can have like, oh, I want to have a research station here. I want to have a mining station here. Like, it sounds, it sounds too good to be true. It's, I'm getting into the mindset of how I, I felt mm-hmm. when I saw Star Citizen for the first time. But yeah. this seems like... You've still never played it. I know, but this seems like this is really, <laughs> really going to happen. And I've played Star Citizen and it's yeah. cool for what it is, but it's not giving me what I want 
And no, Starfield looks like it will. That's what I mean. Sorry, you've never played it in the way that, you know, you dreamt you would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Starfield is like, it's hitting all those notes for me. And I'm excited. Yep. yep. Can't wait for that game at this point. Can only be let down. But God, am I going to enjoy the 80-day <laughs> run-up to this game. Um, a slight surprise. I mean, we knew... Ubisoft was working on a Star Wars game. No one knew what it was. Apart, I think the only details they'd ever given away was an open world Star Wars game. And so they announced Star Wars Outlaws. And let me tell you, another game that is seemingly heavily inspired by Red Dead Redemption, <laughs> but Star Wars. I mean, games are just being made for me at the moment. And I just, I, I couldn't be happier. Do you guys, I haven't actually had a chance to speak to it. anyone really from the UK team about these games. I know everyone in the US and me particularly like was very excited by it, especially when they revealed the gameplay of this. Like, are you guys excited for this? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I watched the gameplay and it looks really fun. Um, I think the story as well should be pretty interesting because mm-hmm. isn't this set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? Jedi I think yeah. yeah. So, I've I've liked what I've seen of it so far. I think. Mm-hmm. The gunplay looks interesting. Um, I like the the choices system they've got in there. They had like a bribe or no bribe. Um, mm-hmm. mm. Like it's ticking all the boxes for me so far. It looks pretty cool. I liked it. It seemed to be a cool little combo of like almost like Uncharted like shooting, like a yeah. bit of Watch Dogs with your companion, a little bit of that going on, and then also like yeah, a little bit of GTA slash Red Dead in like the wanted system and just the open world nature of it. And I think everyone had that moment of like when they got in the ship, it was like. Are we really just going to take off and go? And like, that is the one thing at the moment Star Wars Outlaws seems to have on Starfield. Like when you take off on planets in Starfield, it's cutscenes. Whereas Mm. this, you take off and you just fly through and then into hyperspace. And yeah, it's just, again, I think this is like, I don't want to put words in people's mouths. Like this is kind of the Star Wars game. Everyone has always wanted the open. There has Mm. never been an open world Star Wars game before, which seems mad when you think about it. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I think for me, I was drawing comparisons to Jedi Survivor because that's you know that's like mm. semi open world in terms yeah, of the levels like and stuff, hubs, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was like, ah, I still, I still feel in my head that I've got uh, that little bit of like Ubisoft um, burnout in terms of mm-hmm. you know that sort of like open world games and Star Wars. I feel like there's been, I feel like most of the games coming out is now are now taking place in that very narrow time slot between three and four, and I feel like I've seen a lot of that now, like. Do I want something different? I'm not too sure, but watching well, that ga- between two and three now, so it's slightly different. <laughs> yeah, but watching watching the gameplay, I was like, this. It, I mean, yeah, it it, it looks fun. It, it is that sort of. And I said, I'm going to say it again, like a sort of dream Star Wars game scenario, like open world, and you're you know you're dealing with like the the rough and gritty part of Star Wars, which is you know like yeah. crime lords and like or having smuggler. to deal with bounties and smuggling. Yeah, like it's. It looks fun, but yeah. I don't know how I feel about yeah, it. You can be wary. You can be wary. I'm, I'm, I'm just into. I was just hoping because I feel like I enjoyed Survivor a lot, and I feel like they kind of they they kind of nailed the lightsaber combat. That's as good as we've yeah. ever had it, or at least in a long time. And I was just so glad to not see one single lightsaber. But mm. I'm not stupid. I know they weren't about to go a whole Star Wars game without throwing in a lightsaber. It's or, coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I just want this game to be like, you know, I don't know, an open world game where you're taking some missions from people like Jabba and you're just kind of hiding from the Empire and I don't know. I'm yeah. just very excited. I, I, feel, I feel like I don't want to entirely see like, oh, and Darth Vader's right at the end of the game waiting for you and stuff because we... They we, can't do that every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. I mean, thinking back to like previous Star Wars games, like whether it's the Outcast series, you are being introduced to like 
new villains it's not always like you remember this guy and you remember that guy mm. like i want to see like this disgusting underbelly well, of star they did wars confirm like in the get like there was a little bit like i think han solo makes a tiny little cameo um <laughs> of course and i'm pretty sure i saw bosk or at least um the race yeah. of alien that bosk is um but yeah i want to see those guys i don't need to yeah i don't see vader and luke and you know what this game it would make sense if boba fett was there i don't need to see him but yeah it I, makes I, sense at least i that feel you like would bump into him it, it just it makes it makes that universe feel so small i think that's why i'm excited yeah. about starfield because it is everything is new about it when it comes but when it comes to styles it's like I can recognize that specific speeder. I can recognize that specific race or that specific character from the legends or whatever. It's just like new mm-hmm. Star Wars is more exciting than reference, reference, reference constantly. Yeah. But in terms of like blaster combat, it does look pretty fun. Like you said, you know, the, the sort of Jedi survivor series, like they've sort of nailed down that combat now. And now I want to see what massive can do with, you know, that's just sort of like blaster, like up close and rough combat. Yeah. Well, Massive by name, massive by nature, because they're not only making a Star Wars game, they're making an Avatar game too. This does seem um, insane. I don't know how large that studio is, but... Yeah, they must have two, two. I mean, what, Avatar's out in December. That Star Wars game, you'd think at least a year away. Yeah. I think it's 2024, Probably. yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a couple of years away. Um, what do you think of Avatar? Because it does seem like very much like I'm Far l- Cry, mm. but you're not encouraged to kill all the wildlife. <laughs> I think I'm less excited about that because it looks like, you know, it has crafting. It has even cooking. You're gathering your resources. Awa, the tree. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you're in, it looks like you're invading camps as well and you've got your skill trees. Like, it does... I know everyone's going to be making this comparison, but it, it, it looks... It really looks like Far Cry Avatar. Mm. And I don't know... I don't know if the world of Avatar is a massive draw. Like, I do love that sort of sci-fi... Foresty I mean, kind of must like it because these films make a billion every time. Yeah, like, who I are know, these but so pretty. People, it is, it <laughs> is so pretty. Like that's what it has going for it. It's not like you know grimy fucking sci-fi. Yeah. It's like beautiful nature sci-fi. But I don't know how well that's going to hold up in terms of how much do I really care about the Navi and their story? I don't know. I don't know. I'm a sucker for a bow and arrow, and you can like. Mm. You can jump and roam pretty quick. I like the dragon. You know, that is something that's different to Far Cry. You can't, well, I suppose you can use a helicopter. Yeah. But yeah, you can't fly around a dragon and, you know, like stand on it and use a bow and arrow. Like, there are some cool looking things in there, but I, I'm kind of with you. I think it's just like, I'm not, I'm, I'm burnt out on Far Cry. Like, yeah. I don't need a Far Cry anytime soon. And this, you know, if you're being reductive, it is Far Cry, really, when you look at it and the way they yeah. said they've structured it. You're basically taking out human camps and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, Emma, are you excited by this one? Kind of. Again, like, I don't know if I need another Far Cry in my life, mm. but saying that, with Far Cry <laughs> 4 specifically, the oh, best no. time I had in that game was when I was just, like, going around, going to different, like, towers and hunting animals. So, like... This very much looks like that, and I'm kind but of. They don't into want you that. to hunt the animals. You're meant to look after the world of Pandora. Right, well, okay, instead of hunting, then looking after, but still, <laughs> you know, still probably tracking crossing. them and like probably helping them out, right? Um, yeah, that side of it looks really cool. I think, and yeah, like again, I think people, I think people do like the world of Avatar, and they do yeah. like this really bright, vibrant. Like, and I'm sure we'll see parts of the world that we haven't seen in I the mean, films yeah, as well. New, yeah, it's a whole new area of Pandora. And I'm just like, uh, if it is a pretty game and it plays well, yeah. it's out in December. Like, if it's fun, 
I can see myself, you know, it's two-player co-op online, which is the one thing that maybe could I be a draw for me. three-player, or am I thinking of another? Oh, wait, that's Space Marine, I think. Yeah, that's, that's it. player yeah. Damn. Um, but yeah, I could play a bit of Avatar and co-op and just clean out all the mm. humans from Hathor, yeah. maybe. They did, the one question I had was, they there's a there's a clip in the gameplay where they rip out a human out of their big uh, like loader mechs. It's like, can I then jump in and take that over? Because I think the Navi they're like ten foot tall or something. They're too yeah. big for them. I think that's the problem. But yeah, let me get in them. Yeah. Mech. Did we did we even really see any like small human characters fighting the mech? I feel like I only really saw him like fighting mechs and other machinery. I didn't really. They were human. Yeah, they were shooting mm. humans. I think. Because I just wonder if it's going to play more like Titanfall, where you've got the little like fodder enemies, mm-hmm. and you are essentially a mech yourself, primarily fighting other mechs, and because mm-hmm. then that would mm. it looks fun. It yeah. looks fun enough, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not as excited. It's it's a, it's, one, a but... it's more of a co-op experience. I don't think I'll be able to put twenty hours into it by myself. No, no, but yeah, still, you know, by no means looks bad. Do you know what looks absolutely brilliant though? Alan tell. Wake 2 um, <laughs> I know people have been talking about this one for a while but I just wanted to elaborate a little because I, I was lucky enough to see a full 30 minute uh, gameplay demo Ooh. of this while I was out in LA and it was um, a larger section of like the 2 or 3 minutes they showed uh, last week and I, I couldn't be more excited for this game as well I'm just, I am I'm feasting at the moment on games that are looking <laughs> like they're right up my alley and I'm a big Alan Wake fan in the first place, like Remedy Maybe my, like, if you push me to um, say who's my favourite developer, I'd maybe pick Remedy. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, this is just, it's Resident Evil with True Detective. It really is that, like, from what I saw. Like, it's they've learned the lesson from the first one. It's not like waves of enemies coming at you. It's very much the Resident Evil, like, one or two will pop up, deal with them at a time kind of take your time slower combat like enemies take a good 10 to 12 shots to take down after you've obviously exposed uh their weakness with the flashlight not a torch because i kept saying torch last week and americans were just like what's a torch um but there you go <laughs> <Really>? um <laughs> um but also i saw a lot more of like the detective side of it where you go into the mind palace of um okay. saga the new character and you can kind of look around this board and like piece information together which unlocks new objectives and side objectives within within the levels and i just love that side of it more like i'm not the world's biggest survival horror fan so that yeah. side of the gameplay i'm like i'll play it i'll get you know i'll get for it but it's the detective stuff that i'm really into like more detective games please like there is a little bit more of like there's a little bit of the yellow noir in there but then there is also a lot of the resident evil like there was just this um padlock in the room which had a number combination you had to go find what the number <laughs> combination for it was and stuff like that but i just again i can't wait and there's definitely some control in there as well in not only like the damage system and the gunplay seems quite similar but also go into this weird like limbo area which is in between the real world and this like what do they call it the dark is it the dark place? Am I just getting Garth Marenghi in there? I don't know. Um, the place where basically Alan Wake has has been missing, which is yeah. this weird alternate creepy world, and it looks abs like I know. I think Remedy have already said this. Like I spoke to some of their teams, they're they're fully confident this is the best looking PS5 game yet. And one night when I was watching it, I couldn't really deny that. Like the lighting <laughs> in this okay. game is stunning. Like and yeah. Be very excited for Alan Wake too. Like September, October is absolutely mad at the moment. Yeah, I think I think I was 
I was quite excited before I had watched that gameplay reveal, but I mm. think it's because, um, what's the character's name? Saga? Saga, yeah. Yeah, you just sort of see her walking through a building and then she gets ambushed by a single enemy. And I think that just like, just all of those sort of moments, like out of context when I'm watching mm-hmm. it, it just didn't seem like, I, I want to know more what's going on. Obviously you saw an extended piece. Yeah. Like how important are those detective sections yeah. like what are you actually getting up to because the whole point is you're in this you play as saga as an fbi agent who's come to bright falls to investigate these cultist killings that have happened which is the very like in the deer imagery especially is very true detective and yeah. like you're there basically and you stumble across these pages so i saw this was from the second mission of the game the gameplay they showed us okay you can play them in any not any order but you can play the alan wake and saga stories in any order you can switch between them as you go which is very an interesting thing they're doing um but basically yeah you find these pages that you find are essentially written about you and it's alan wake writing your story which is different to how alan wake was basically writing his story in the first one um and yeah, it's, so it's all kind of linking in between. You're not quite sure what's real, what's fiction, what's being made up by him, what's actually mm. happening. Like, it seems very, it's just very mysterious. And like, you never quite know what's going on in Remedies games. Like, Control, yeah. like, if anything, like, I love that game, but if anything, let it down, it is the ver- the ending. It's not the strongest ending to that story, but the whole mystery building up an atmosphere of it is present in Alan Wake 2. And yeah, I just. I really can't wait to play that game. So, mm. yeah, we are feasting. Let me tell you that. Let's go through a couple more of the announcements before we move on to some other things, uh, some big ones. We can't cover them all because I think there was something absurd, like 490 games shown <laughs> on the build the past games. week. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we don't have time. We've got a couple more. Um, let's just briefly talk about Fable because we had a first good real look at it in a long time. And... This was all in-engine. We saw big Richard Ayoade popping up. <laughs> yep. Always good to see him. Um, literally big. He's a, He was a giant uh, in, in the trailer. And then we saw like a little glimpse of combat, which seems different from old school Fable. It seemed like it much be, might be more of like a third-person action game than yeah. the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was just... We got a sense of the tone. I was just so glad to see that this is still a thoroughly British game. Yes. <laughs> like and the the comedy's still there and they're still riffing on all the fairy tales. So I was worried they'd go it would lose a little bit of its charm, but it felt like, you know, never doubt playground. I know they've they've known for Forza Horizon, but and this is new ground for them. But yeah. I'm just again, we haven't really seen much of this, but I'm just glad that it seems like it's on the right path. Yeah. It was like a very quick look at it. But yeah feel positive about it so far like definitely interested to learn more do we know when it's coming out i don't think we have any idea i wouldn't be surprised if this is still a couple of years away um but yeah it was good to see it again because it had been a little while um yeah xbox's show in general i thought was just very strong and yeah, they needed it was really that. good yeah like, they really needed that <coughs> after after the redfall debacle so uh oh god yeah and uh, i mean this is more of a personal pick, you know. It wasn't, but wasn't the biggest announcement of their show. But when they started showing the CFE footage, I was like, "Oh, they're, you know, this music is very Monkey Island." And then three seconds later, I was like, "That is the Monkey Island music." <laughs> and then they showed Sea of Thieves: The Legend of Monkey Island, which, by the sounds of it, is like the first Monkey Island game in Sea of Thieves, but like kind of reimagined like it's a single player adventure where they bring some of the puzzles from secret of monkey island into 
Sea of Thieves, and then I assume add combat, and it has a fully explorable melee island and monkey island. Like, all the voice cast, like, and Murray added as well. Love Murray, the, the uh, skull. Yeah, I'm just like, I cu- this is like what I wanted as a kid again. Like, all my dreams come true. I was like, I've got like a first person 3D playable monkey island. What's going on? Yeah, but, yeah. it seems like a really good fit for Sea of Thieves. Like, Sea of Thieves does a lot of these kind of like, DLCs and extra, you know, mm-hmm. bits where it branches into other stuff. But yeah, with this one specifically, it feels like they just merge really well together. Yeah, mm. I was just watching all of this Xbox and these Ubisoft shows going like, a game's just being made for me here. Like, <laughs> I, what's happening? Uh, yeah. If you're a Monkey Island fan, you know, get your eyes on Sea of Thieves because if you have Game Pass, it'll be f- all free, I believe. And it's like three, I think it's like <clears> over <throat> three chapters uh, coming some point soon that's it for the announcements because you know we'll dig more into those games when i actually get to play them or whenever they actually come out um mm. but you guys you had a little nice little trip to paris to play some games how was that we did it was good we got to see robocop rogue city which, which is surprisingly good i've heard it's pretty good i have like some some reservations about it as well mm-hmm. but it does look pretty cool. We got to play like the opening sort of hour and a half, two hours. So it's a first person shooter with like some RPG elements and it's set between the second and third Robocop movie. So mm, you've okay. already got Robocop's established. He is The Robocop. second and the third. That's yeah. an interesting choice. Yeah, it is an interesting choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so you're, you're playing as Robocop and it's the opening is so full of like references from the films so i like watched the films recently right i just watched one and two which seem perfect now coming into this game it's set right (laughs) after two um and yeah it's even got characters like it's got like your um your police like partner um agent Aunt lewis it's got a bunch of other characters from the movies and it's like it really has nailed like the humor and the feel of RoboCop. Nice. Like, you know, it opens literally with one of those like satirical news segments. Um, and then you're straight in where you're, you're trying to like track down this gang who are tied to the drug from RoboCop 2, Nuke. Um, immediately you're right into it. It feels very RoboCop. Um, one thing that's, I guess people might be expecting, but it also does feel kind of strange is that so it is an fps but you're playing as a really really slow character um like robocop is really slow like he's unstoppable Mm -hmm. you definitely feel that way in this intro um he's like super tanky he can literally go into a room and just clear it it was actually really weird because in most fps's you're kind of you're agile you're ducking behind cover. Mm. You don't have to do that in this game at all. <laughs> and it feels so strange when you first start playing. You can literally walk into a room of enemies, have them shooting at you from all angles, and you're just tanky enough and you've got enough health that you can just stroll right up to someone, <laughs> just punch them in the head, grab like a CRT monitor, throw that at someone. Like that takes some getting used to. Um, like, mm. Did it feel like a challenge? Was that fun? Like. It's so immediately you're like, yeah, I feel really good. I'm really powerful. No one can Mm -hmm. stop me. And then once you've had a few of those interactions, it's kind of like, okay, so where is the challenge exactly? Like, that's the thing I'm sort of 
kind of unsure about. Like, I played on normal difficulty. Maybe it's, like, much harder if you pick, you know, one of the harder difficulties. But from what I saw, there was no enemy that you came up against that really gave you any trouble. Um, I think in the trailer and stuff, they've shown, like, you do come up against some of those, like, big, like, robots and stuff. Um, yeah. And and some enemies do have, like, will have, like, heavy mounted machine guns that'll fire at you. And then you might have to think differently. But, like, like Emma said, it puts you right into it. Like, at the start, you're basically heading headfirst into this uh, news network building that's been taken over by a gang and the Robocop theme is blaring in your ears and like people are attacking you and you've got your, you know, little auto nine targeting pistol and you're blasting through people. And in terms of like FPS action and what that looks like in the game, it looks good and it plays well. Like the, the violence on display is fitting of Robocop. Because, like, you'll blast someone and their brains will be, like, splattered on the wall and, like, slowly drip down. Like, it's grim and nasty and it feels like, yeah, that's probably what nasty Detroit would look like in Unreal Engine 5 during the Robocop era. But, again, it's like me and Emma were speaking about after we played. It was, it was like, how is that going to compare five hours in or ten hours in? Um, will you have to, you know, automatically just play on a harder difficulty just to adjust because you felt so tanky. There's times where you can just stand in the middle of the room and just easily pick up your targets and blast them away. Um, but that's just with human enemies. There's some other variations where, you know, you're usually going for headshots, but sometimes someone might be wearing like a metal mask and then, you know, like the headshot will like, or your bullets rather would like ping right off their head so you have to target different body parts. But that's that's not so much of a difficult tactical <laughs> choice, really. So I, d- I don't know what non-human enemies there really are going to be. Mm-hmm. for what's going to be, what was it, a 20 yeah. or 30 hour long game, I think? Wow, that's yeah, so I think it's 20 hours if you just stick to main story and stuff, 30 if you do all the side quests, but you're not just, like, obviously, as Robocop, you are going in as this action hero, um, delivering justice by any means, <laughs> but um, you get up to a lot of other stuff as well. So like, we got to see some of the side quests, which was... You know, I think one of them, I went into the police station and I had to like open up a queue for all these people that were coming in to complain about crimes and stuff. And like literally just spent a few minutes like dealing with their inquiries. Um, (laughs) And like this is kind of where like more of the skills come in. So like obviously as Robocop, you've got, you know, like all these, you've got a pistol that has infinite ammo, which is, which feels helpful really really like overpowered to begin with um you can pick up other weapons but you're not gonna like stick with those you drop them basically at the end of the level um but yeah the other skills that you have sort of play into like more of a robocop that we haven't seen before so it's not just the action side you're also like choices you make in the game are gonna affect the ending And they also affect, like, as you're going, sort of how the public feel about you. So, you know, you... It's about surprisingly deep. Because in my head, I was imagining this would be, like, a six-hour almost (laughs) on-rail shooter, like, now narrow levels. Like, I think the thing that actually um, got me interested from your preview, Emma, which is done already over a million views, so well done on (laughs) Big numbers. Um, It's almost like... I wasn't expecting again, like another game that's bringing almost LA noir aspects into this. Yeah, like you're doing, you do do actual detective work. It's not just mindless shooting. Am I right in that? Yeah, exactly. So you do get chances to walk around the city, and you can sort of crimes might be happening as you're walking past, or you might overhear someone talking, 
Um, and there's lots of like police dotted around as well. And they'll be like, oh, you know, Robo, can you come help me with this? And so you're going around like scanning stuff. Um, yeah, I think like we showed in the preview, there's like, um, it's kind of more, yeah, like a Detroit Become Human crime scene where you're sort of mm-hmm. looking for specific clues and picking those Detroit out. Detroit Become Robot. Yeah, mm. there you go. But, but that was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, again, like depending on how you upgrade your skills as well, like you might be able to get more from those scenes. So if you've put like points into, I think it's deduction, then you might get more information from scanning something and then yeah. maybe you'll get like a safe combination. And then if one of your other skills is high enough, you can open a safe and get some more evidence. Like there's lots of stuff like strewn around that you can scan and get more information on bits and pieces. And depending on your kind of like how you're choosing to build Robocop, you might get more out of that or you might be able to sort of avoid violence in some cases. It won't be in every situation because sometimes you will just have to go in all guns blazing (laughs) but yeah there are like you i think if you level up your like psychology branch enough you can kind of predict the outcome of certain dialogue choices and then kind of decide like oh do i want to really pick a fight with this person or can i kind of pressure them to give me information in a different Mm way yeah it's just like it'd be good just don't go expecting like deus ex level you know uh, variation in terms of like robocop can't even crouch he can he can walk a little bit faster in this game, which counts as a can sprint. Can he jump? No. I don't no, remember jumping. Don't, he can't. I don't think he can jump. No, yeah, he can move slightly faster and there is like a dash ability that he can kind of like knock into people and knock them over. Okay. And I mean, it's a different take, at least, you know. It's, you know, Every shooter seems to be like chasing that like doom or Titanfall, like speed and movement. Yeah, this is a, this is going the complete opposite direction. Just slow, slowing it down. It is little. very, very nice. different. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting, and it's coming out in September. Yeah. Oh, get, oh, good. Another game for September. Good. <laughs> very like, busy fantastic. time. <laughs> Jesus. Right. Um. And you saw a couple other games out there, right? We did. So Jesse and I got to play a co-op game called Gangs of Sherwood. So it's like I think it's up to four players and. Mm. What's kind what of interesting could that about-, be about? I wonder, gangs of Sherwood. What gang could possibly <laughs> live in Sherwood? Well, exactly. Um, That's the interesting part, right? So you play as one of the merry men from Robin Hood. <laughs> can you play it as sounds- Friar Tuck? Yes, you can. I think Jesse you you did, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yes. I, I mained Tuck, Big and he was tuck. pretty good, to be fair. Actually, you know You're what? You're a Tuck main. I, I would say he's overpowered. Actually, overpowered monk, interesting, incredibly strong. Yeah, I played as Robin, (laughs) so I think we got to play a couple of levels. So we sort of saw it like as it starts out, where you're sort of you're you're fighting off the sheriff of Nottingham's like gang as well, and um, yeah, you sort of work your way through a level and you take on enemies. We worked our way up to a boss, even um, yeah, and it's kind of got this like. Devil May Cry style of like scoring as like how you're doing with your combos and stuff as you go. Um, And yeah, you sort of, you complete a level, then you go back to a hub and then you're unlocking like more abilities and things like that that are going to make you more powerful. Is it like a, like a story game or is it like map, like map based or like what kind of. So you've got, you've got a central hub that you can sort of like, you know, speak to different vendors in, but then you will choose a specific mission and it's almost like Vermintide where you'll choose a mission and then you'll okay, obviously head so, to that location. So it's PV, it's not PvP? No, no, not that. Okay. I mean, there might be, there might end up being a PvP mode, but for, mm. it is just like 
you and three other mates are doing specific missions on specific maps, and usually there's a boss by the end of it. But I guess the main sort of like interesting thing about this is that it's not you know a entirely um, I don't know fantasy esque looking game. It's more how do you describe it? like steampunky and stuff like yeah, it's like hood punk. Yeah, it's like yeah. Robin, Robin Hood, but futuristic Robin Hood. Yeah, it's, like the Sheriff of Nottingham has like a massive artillery cannon that you need to course. take down. But then there's also, you know, like magic involved as well. And there's like automatons and all these other things. It's not just like you're fucking up a bunch of like old Seems British blokes. Quite odd. I mean, can you just give me a quick rundown of uh, Friar Tuck's loadout? What's he packing? <laughs> uh, From what I remember, he's got like a massive Morningstar kind of mace thing. Of but he's he's got a really, really just right click combo where you sort of like smash the mace into the ground and it sort of like exudes this circle of light. Um, but I mean, Emma saw me playing it because we we're playing it, obviously we we're playing it together and I was just smashing enemies like mm-hmm. every Tuck other second. Yeah. yeah. Tuck yeah. is very, very overpowered, but obviously you're going to play into sort of different strengths where obviously um, Robin is, you know, he's ranged, he's got a bow and stuff. Tuck is like the sort of tanky guy and then the two other guys whose names I can't. Little John and uh, probably Marion, right? Is she playable? Yes, I think she's got sort of like this sword whip ability. Have you not, into, have you not got your Robin Hood lore locked down? No, honestly, I don't. <laughs> Unless it's the whole <laughs> Disney film where he's a fox. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's little John doing? Um, I think we didn't actually get down. to... We only got to play as two characters. Mm. Um, he's sort of like this posho twat with, I think... Um, <laughs> That's what I remember. He's sort of like a disgrace, like royal officer or something like that. It was mad. Um, but yeah, they obviously they each have their own like distinct fighting styles and they all have a bunch of, I guess, unique character abilities where there's different branches within the skill tree that like, oh, I know that I'm coming up against this boss. I've already faced him. I'm having a bit of difficulty. Maybe I want to switch out Friar Tuck's like close up range special for something a bit more or rather close-up attack for a bit more of like a ranged solution I never thought and stuff. I'd hear anyone say Yeah, I know, describing Tuck's loadout. What's um, going on? But it was, it, it was, it was fun. It was yeah. fun. Like, it obviously, that, that wasn't said with the most confidence. No, it's, it's something where it's like, you, you can tell it needs a bit more polish. And obviously we're playing yeah. something that isn't going to be out in another four or five months. Um, okay. I think it's if, coming out in October. Yeah. yeah but I, I feel like once they just nail a few of those like little tiny little bugs because there were a few obviously you know we're playing an early alpha build or whatnot um Mm -hmm. i think if you just had three mates and you know you wanted a main tuck (laughs) then you can have some fun i am intrigued by the tuck action it works like our well it was just us two playing but i feel like our attacks as we got further into the game where we could sort of unlock more of the different abilities and stuff as well like you can kind of work together way more Mm. yeah so like you had an ability where you'd like slam down on the floor which would push all the enemies up into the air and then i could sort of dash in and do a jump and then hit them with my arrows like it does get once you get into the swing of it and you kind of do start using your abilities to complement each other it does work pretty well well see like i'm not gonna be honest i probably have never played this game but i'm just glad that tuck's getting a bit of bit of a you know the spotlight uh, he's a, he's a good man, a good design. overpowered man. Yeah, which um, fictional monk would you like to play as in a video game? IGN underscore UK back at IGN dot com. What a question! Is that is that the most Alan Partridge thing I've ever done on this podcast? I mean, what quite? What possibly. are famous fictional monks? Um, you could say a well, Jedi I mean, is a monk. Monk, 
the uh, detective. Um, let me see. What other famous fictional monks are there? Um, I feel like, of I feel like I mean, Perslow Tuck is would the know. one, isn't he? Yeah. Like, Tuck is probably the big one. I mean, technically, aren't Jedi's monks? I mean, that's what I said. So Yeah, I, yeah. But um, I think we can move gonna, on. Like, actually, on, um, I mean, this is where we really needed... Um, Matt. Matt always on because aren't space marines technically monks? I think in 40k you do have like monk esque characters, monks. but yeah, maybe not the space marines themselves. But I don't yeah, know. like he's not fictional by any means. But my boy Rasputin, um, what a monk! <laughs> Your boy. What a mad monk! <laughs> yeah, um, associating allegiance. With I've got that 900 page Rasputin biography on my shelf. I've read wow. the first 30 pages. Need <laughs> <laughs> oh, to get back to that. That was a leaving present for my old job. <laughs> it was a 900 page yeah I was going to say so you didn't really get around to finishing it then uh, I didn't. I don't even think he'd made it to St Petersburg yet anyway hey there this is Justin Bartha I made a funny new podcast King of the Egg Cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black I'm torn by my feelings for two women Bobby Cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Well, uh, you played one more game, right, out in Paris. Give us a quick little chat about, is it Ad Infinitum? Ad, uh, ad, why don't you say it? Ad Infinitum. There we <laughs> go. But you were nearly there. That's what <laughs> yeah, I was like, you, oh, you he's, he's going to do it, yeah. So this is like a psychological horror game. It's set in World War One, and you play as a German soldier who's sort of dealing with like PTSD. God, this sounds grim. It's <laughs> it's quite different from Gangs of Sherwood. <laughs> <laughs> no tuck. Yeah, there's no. there's no tuck in this one. Um, like I think when we were just before we started playing the developers were like the whole point of this is like we're just throwing you into the game it's very like surreal and the whole point is that you don't really know what's going on from the beginning you're sort of you start straight off in like the trenches you're running to or from something and you're just supposed to feel like very scared and disoriented the whole time preview conditions (laughs) yeah Yeah. um (laughs) but Like, I think the whole point is that you as a character, you're like, you've forgotten who you are or you're not sure what's happened to you. And then you're sort of trying to work out like what what has happened to me, what's going on. Um, So you go from the trenches, suddenly you just find yourself in this like creepy old house and you're walking around and there's like some puzzles to solve. Um, There's a lot of like pages and stuff that you find just strewn around the house, which... I think you're supposed to slowly start to piece like your own story together of like, okay, yeah. something's definitely happened with my family. There's been some kind of drama. I'm also suffering from the effects of war. Um, <laughs> it's not a good time. It, yeah, it was, it was like, it was very scary. Um, 
because like it's, it's that whole thing as well of like you're in this creaky old house and like every sort of corner you go around it's like oh did I see something out the corner of my eye mm. um you end up collecting stuff to like a seance as well so I was constantly worried like is something gonna jump out at me like <laughs> scary pop-up um but it's, it's a slow game it's a it slow it's game. very I think slow to up. begin with we yeah. I think we got just far enough to sort of see they've got these weird sort of creatures in it that you're really supposed to be scared of. They, and they look, everything's like very blurry when you see them. So you, you don't get like a full picture of what they actually look like. But okay. at one point I walked out into this like churchyard and there were these like weird little like golem looking creatures like sort of hunched over. Like it sounds quite a bizarre game. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. It, quite it, just it goes to fun. some places. <laughs> um, I, I, th- I think the main thing is that it's, it's crossing the boundary of like trying to as the player, you're trying to decipher what is reality and what isn't. And as the exactly. game progresses, like you go from, like Emma said, the World War One trench to this like royal, elegant, old German mansion. And as she was progressing through the level, things start to get more and more twisted. And I can imagine it'll get more dreamlike as the game goes on. That's why I remember them telling us as well. Um, mm-hmm. But from what Emma played, at least, it was quite a slow burn at the start because it's more psychological horror, not survival horror like amnesia the bunker which weirdly is also a world war one um horror game that just came out recently i mean world um, war one itself was a horror so i don't know if we need to add layers of there's a- extra horror in this yeah, yeah it's jam-packed yeah. full but yeah most not- of it was in the house yeah. kind of searching for stuff um more like i think they were kind of trying to go for that like resident evil sort of thing yeah. of like oh you've been in this room you've seen something you've had a look around the house oh now you've got to go back to that room and okay. you know Solve some puzzles. Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's one for me, if I'm honest. But you know, you know, maybe Chuck Fryer tuck in there, and <laughs> we'll we'll get talking. But yeah, interesting. Um, Emma, you've just been too busy. You've been so busy. It's been a busy few weeks, you know. It has. You've also gone and had, I was going to say had the pleasure question mark of watching the new Transformers film, Transformers: Ooh. Rise of the Beast, and. You got to speak to the director, Stephen Cable Jr. But first, like, do you want? What, what did you think of the film? I think did it come out last week or this week? I think. Yep, it was last week. Now I think. What is time anymore? Like, <laughs> that's a you, know, you no don't idea. have to tell me is that. that the I don't know what day it is. <laughs> is that yeah. the question they answer in Transformers? How deep do they go? Well, it gets it gets pretty pretty deep. Like this is the first time that we're seeing the Maximals. Which are like thank the, God the beast robots. <laughs> Such a silly <laughs> sentence to say. <laughs> but, I'm not in. I've never been a transform. Like I like the first um, Michael Bay film, but I never was into them as a kid. So I don't have like any like the backstory of like these different like you know where they are all from and that stuff. So I don't know what the Maximals are. So please do tell me, Emma, who are the Maximals? I will. So yeah, I'm kind of similar to you. Like the. The Maximals were first introduced in like the 90s in the Beast Wars like series, mm-hmm. which I was too small to watch. Um, <laughs> but Physically too small. Yeah. I just couldn't, um, couldn't stand up to see it. No, I couldn't. The TV was just too far and too big. <laughs> but yeah, so the Maximals are like the the Beast robots. So you've got like Optimus Primal. He's like a gorilla. There's like a cheetah and a rhino. And there's um, Air Razor, who's like a bird eagle type 
um, robot. Yeah. I mean, I've just seen one of the most bizarre. I mean, she just won an, an Academy Award that Michelle Yeoh is Air Razor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, Michelle Yeoh's Air Razor, Optimus Primal's Ron Perlman as mm-hmm. well. Um, and <laughs> Pete Davidson as Mirage. So, okay, so I'll get to that. But <laughs> Mirage was really good, basically. Like, I really okay. like Pete Davidson's character. Cool. Um, but yeah, so this is this is set like after Bumblebee. Okay. So it's in the 90s and it's kind of like focused on this like former soldier. He's come back to like his family. They're kind of struggling to make ends meet and he accidentally bumps into Mirage um, (laughs) and finds himself like wrapped into this whole adventure with um, another human who's like he has like no dealings with. They come together. Um, I'll try not to spoil it too much, but... (laughs) Basically, they're looking for this key that all of the Transformers in the movie want to get their hands on for different reasons. So you've got like the Autobots, who we've already kind of know. So you've got like Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, um, Mm. and then you meet Mirage, who's new. And then you've got the Maximals, who are all like the Beast ones. And then you've got all the bad Terracons. They're all trying to get hold of this thing. But... um, yeah, so there's also like kind of two bad, big bad characters. You've okay. got this like big planet eating robot called Unicron. A planet eating <laughs> robot. Yeah, literally just goes around devouring planets, like gobbling them all up. Okay. And then you've got Unicron's like henchman um, called Scourge, um, who's voiced by Peter Dinklage. Okay, <laughs> cool. So yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, overall, I'd say like, I enjoyed the movie more than the other Transformers movies I've seen. I'm not the like a massive Transformers fan anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy this more. I think it's kind of, it's got elements of like, it's, there's a big focus on like family, looking after your family. It's got like, um, kind of like an Indiana Jonesy bit because like the okay. key that they find is sort of like more like an archeological like discovery. Like there's got some really like cool things in there. Um, and yeah, it's the first time that we're seeing these beast robots um, and they come together with the Autobots and um, that is really fun. <laughs> like, sorry, go on, Jesse. I was going to say, is this, is this all part, like is the Michael Bay film still connected to any of these or are they just separate now? Like, do we? These are essentially prequels. These are prequels, they? yeah. So right. this is set before all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, so it follows on from Bumblebee Um and Pete Davison's character yeah, is the one that stands out to me, I think, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's quite a serious situation that they're in. Like, <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's this big planet and robot and that's like a massive threat. Um, and Pete Davison is just Pete Davidson as mm-hmm. as an Autobot. Um, and so he's really like fun. And he bounces off all the other characters really well. If there's like a serious situation, he brings like light to it always. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's... It's a fun movie. Um, I not think a must-see. Maybe not a must-see, but I think, like, that's the thing. Because I don't have this, like, link to Transformers, I imagine if you <laughs> did grow up with Beast Wars, you'll want to yeah. see this because oh, it's yeah, like, it's oh, you know, how, how have they brought these, like, these Maximals, which in the show, I think, <laughs> transform or maximize, rather, like, every five minutes, right? Um this is like a sort of a different look at them and it's sort of I feel like I wanted to see a little bit more of them maybe 
Um, more as of they the transformers. Are. There's less maximals. Like more of the maximals specifically. Okay, you wanted maximum maximals, and you got minimum maximals. Yeah, it was kind of like medium maximal. What what do you think Friar Tuck would transform into? Uh, like an animal? We're talking about. I mean, he was a was he a bear in the Disney one? Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think he was a bear. Yeah, big bear. Yeah, that makes sense. That seems like it? that would work. Um, yeah, but yeah, like. <laughs> If you're interested in Transformers and you enjoy Bumblebee, I think you might enjoy this too. Um, and yeah, if you have a link to Transformers, you'll probably pick up on way more references than I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there we go. Um, have I been making a mistake? Is Friar Tuck a priest or a monk? Oh, he'd be a priest, right? He didn't really have like... Or what's the difference between a priest and a monk? <laughs> We're not getting into this. It's, we haven't got time. We've already we've already deep, talked about this long enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, we could just be mistaken. I don't know. Um, old balding man slash bear Friar Tuck. Um, England are rattling on in the ashes. By the way, great start so far. At Fifty nine oh, to one off eleven overs. As I'm looking at, that makes sense to me. This is meant to be my day off. I was just going to watch the ashes all day and then go see Arctic Monkeys. And now I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you fucked it for yourself. Oh no! Oh, oh it's turned into the session. best day ever. You've got yeah, to talk maximal about Friar Tuck. Maximals? I've got to talk about Friar Tuck. Yeah. Um, but that's not all Transformers because, like I said, we have got a little interview you did, Emma. Um, am I right in thinking if you haven't watched Rise of the Beast and you care about spoilers, maybe you shouldn't listen to this? Definitely. Like, if you don't want to know about mm-hmm. any spoilers, like, just don't yeah. listen to that part of okay. the interview. The interviews of the director Stephen Capel Jr. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it's about eight minutes, I believe. So if you don't want any Transformers, skip ahead about eight minutes and we'll be getting into some of your feedback. So without further ado, here's a little interview. What is like your personal attachment to Beast Wars? Uh, watching it as a kid realizing that they were trying to do something different with visual effects and probably not even liking it as a kid in terms of the visual effects. And I just remember talking about it to other kids at school, like every time we had a chance, like that's like the the deepest thing I remember about Peace Wars as a child. But the storyline was really cool. Um, and yeah, I was just a fan of all the characters growing up. So for me to have the opportunity to like bring them into live action was really cool. Um, yeah, and you know, it reminds me of my childhood. That's lovely. Um, were there like any specific like episodes or like a storyline that like you really resonated with you and like sort of made you want to make this? Uh, there's a few. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. There's a few characters that die in the series, and I remember as a as a child being like, "Wow, you don't really kill off too many like characters, and especially in cartoons, if you will." Yeah. Um. So like that stood out to me, and I won't say the names because I think everyone should watch all the Beast Wars uh, episodes. Um, and yeah, that stood out to me and, um, yeah, just the mythology. I remember big time, like in terms of them coming to earth and earth wasn't formed yet. I thought that was pretty cool, you know, for prehistoric times. I don't think I've seen that, uh, when I was a child. Sweet. And like, why did you think now was the right time to bring like this storyline in? Uh, I think it's probably cause we're at movie number seven and we're like, all right, what can we do differently? Um, uh, what would bring life to these other characters as well and add to their journey and it feels like bringing in the Maximals, uh, these beastly characters who are just as powerful, uh, have interesting personalities in the whole nine, uh, just felt like the right time, you know, in 2023, um, especially coming after Bumblebee. 
So I don't think the there was an intention after Bumblebee to make Beast Wars at first. But it felt like since it was in the 80s, Bumblebees, and we were stepping into the 90s, it was also like, oh, this might be the perfect era because Beast Wars was actually out in the 90s. And there's some cool things we could play with. And like the lack of technology we had in the 90s allows us to have characters like Beast Wars because no one had cell phones and able to record these beings all around, which you can do now. Um, so, yeah, it just felt like the perfect blend. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, and like you mentioned, like sort of changing some stuff what stuff did you want to change from the original like source material oh uh yeah it was the source material in the script uh that i received some of the things i changed unicron wasn't in the original so it was nice to bring in um the original script so it was nice to bring in unicron the exosuit was never there um and the maximals never in, in the cartoons the maximals never interacted with humans you know which i thought was pretty uh different and I was like, oh, how would that play in our film now that we are so human-based and talking to like characters like Anthony and Dominic Fishback, Elena, Noah. Uh, so those things where we kind of broke from the actual cartoon world as well, which I wanted to play with in this film. That's great. Like you mentioned the exosuit as well. Like that is really yeah. cool. Like where did you get your like inspiration for adding that? Yeah, um, definitely the 1986 animated film. Uh, Daniel and uh, the Witwickies in the film, they had exosuits. And I just thought it was super cool when I first saw it. Uh, now to be able to do that now in 2023 and turn a human into a transformer just felt like the the next step, especially with the with the humans because we always watch these movies and go, what can they add to the fight? What can they add to the battle? And uh, in our film, I really wanted that theme to all our one to sing. And so in order for that to happen, I wanted them to work together. So in order for them to work together, I just didn't want um them running around sort of like not doing anything in the fight i wanted noah to really participate and help prime take on the bad guys and he needed uh some kind of armor he needed some kind of weapon and that's when the exosuit came about oh, that's lovely thank you um i'd also like to talk about the like there's a massive tease right at the end of the movie oh, about, <laughs> about a big crossover yeah that. yeah uh, well, like, what can you tell me about that <laughs> um yeah, I'm a fan of a fan of that franchise as well. Uh, I think there's a ton of characters that haven't been ex- explored yet with that certain franchise, and I feel like it's just a natural blend. You know, there was a graphic novel, a few actually, that was based off of this crossover, and I always thought it was kind of cool that Hasbro was doing that back in the day. Um, and so, yeah, and it, you know, just I can't tell you too much, but I'm excited about where it can go. I feel like this it created more of a endless possibilities, if you will, with uh, the direction we can go with the franchise and places we can go with the franchise that we haven't been before, so. That's awesome, yeah, like, yeah. I'm interested. I don't know if you can answer this. I'm gonna ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is this, like, sort of the point in the timeline where G.I. Joe, as an organization, is sort of getting together, like, you know, getting established? Forming together? Oh, I can't even tell you the answer to that. <laughs> I can't even do it. Um, but I, I will say, I feel like, yes, it's one of the earlier stages of the Joes for me. Um, uh, so I don't think it needs to align with any of the movies later as well. Uh, so I think it'll be its own sort of thing, a rebranding of it, if you will. Okay. And will it connect the dots, do you think, with Snake Eyes? Is it still going to carry on? Like uh, The film Snake Eyes? Yeah. I think it's going to be its own thing overall. Yeah. Uh, especially with this one in the direction with the Autobots. I feel like there's there's also new characters I want to explore that haven't been like beyond Snake Eyes and things like that that haven't been fully utilized. There's like this cartoon that I love uh, in series that I love called The Renegades, which I thought was really cool. The G.I. Joe Renegades. 
uh, a little bit grittier than your classic G.I. Joes, but had some of the characters that you love as well. Um, so I may be pulling inspiration from that. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, like, like obviously we're on the topic of crossovers here. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen Transformers in the past also have crossovers with, like, Ghostbusters and, mm-hmm. like, Star Trek and stuff like that. Like, is this the beginning of, like, a Hasbro-verse? Like... Uh, it could be. I like the sound of that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> is there any, like, crossover you would like to see, like... Besides the one I'm trying to do right now? Um... No, just the one that I'm doing right now, I think it's probably the biggest one I'm excited about the most. Uh, I haven't thought about any other like franchises and what crossovers could look like. Um, but this one, this one felt pretty natural and easy for me um, to say, okay, this is the next step and where we can go. Uh, but maybe there's some more properties, we'll see. Sweet. And yeah. like with G.I. Joe specifically, um, and I guess Transformers as well, mm-hmm. are there any specific stories that sort of were in your mind and influenced you to sort of make this cinematic universe and expand it? Uh, well, probably the 1986 animated film. And there's a lot of, I don't know if anyone watched like the Japanese uh, cartoons with Transformers. They expanded the world way much more than we have in the past here. Meaning like there's different planets, there's different factions that we just haven't seen before of actual Transformers. And so I feel like uh, this movie, uh, those things inspired Unicron, but also inspired the fact that there's more than just the Autobots and Decepticons, because every film we've been kind of just going Autobots, Decepticons, whereas now we have the Terracons, um, there's Predacons, and there's actually much more out there. Um, so we're kind of wearing a insignia today, and it's like, I want everybody to kind of rep their favorite sort of faction if they would. Um, so by the end of this, if we can introduce more, that would be great in my goal for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, mm-hmm. my last question about the Maximals is that we don't actually see them maximize in mm-hmm. this movie. Like, what sort of influenced your decision with that? Uh, we see them maximize once. I wanted to save it for the uh, ending battle um, when they're about to actually fight. So I didn't want them to turn into robot form too soon. Um, so I saved it for that moment. Uh, yeah, just because it felt like I, I didn't want them all to look the same throughout, you know, especially with Optimus Primal and him being named closer to Prime, his look could be almost damn near close to Prime's as well. So I felt like just switching it up and making sure that we save that one moment for when they're actually about to fight, fight, and take on the bad guys. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Wow, Emma, what an interview. Oh, God. That Friar Tuck cameo was mad. I know. I can't believe he, uh, yeah, he, he tucked in uh, into that as well. Wow, he's everywhere. <laughs> incredible. Um, let's get some of your feedback. Feedback at IGN. Oh no, uh, IGN underscore UK feedback. Oh, fake fan. IGN dot com. I've only said that about a thousand times in my <laughs> life now. Um, Jesse, I believe you have the first piece. I certainly of feedback do. That was emailed to us. Oh, <laughs> you need to relax, <laughs> I'm man. Lose. I need to sleep. Oh. Well, this is from James Bradley, and he says, "Hi guys. Firstly, welcome Wes. A great addition to a great bunch. I, I agree. would agree. Yeah, yes. I, agree. I listened to Wes the podcast lovely. on my flight home, and it didn't make me fall asleep. So that was good. <laughs> what a ringing endorsement. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Well, James goes on to say, you guys mentioned hardware and hackers, and that made my mind shoot back to a physical hack I did on PS2's drive-in masterpiece, Gran Turismo 3, A-Spec. It was my first video game grind, race after race to modify my garage to a fleet of unstoppable beasts. Then it dawned on me, if I got a 20-lap lead against those peasant bot cars with an F1 car on an oval track endurance race, 
I could simply sellotape accelerate down and let the car bump its way to victory. Easy cash while I literally slept. You know you're enjoying your games if you literally just let someone else play it for you. <laughs> That's no when you've reached the, the, yeah. the optimal prime. Um, optimal prime? Jesus. The optimal God. prime optimal is maximum. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right, oh, God. Carry on. <laughs> he, he goes on to say, my question is, have any of you guys found a way to cheese a game that wasn't a conventional cheat? Also, did you ever try those entertaining cheats? For example, mad pedestrians with rockets in GTA. Great times. Um, I am. Um, I was actually having. I mean, I'm sure you have many of these, Jesse, because you like to hack and get and you know cheat your way through. <laughs> I want to say hack. Um, but um, I, I was having this conversation last week with someone. I can't remember who it was, so I apologise. Maybe it was Max. I don't know. It was someone about how every game should have to, like why do games not have cheats anymore like fun cheats like every game in my opinion should have big head mode every yeah. single game should have big head mode i don't care what game it is give me i was <laughs> i was about to say something that could have been clipped out give me heads that are big okay there we go <laughs> yeah there we go i think i think to answer james's question when i had a copy of san andreas as a kid my favorite challenge was once i unlocked the entire map and had like a completed save and all sorts, I would activate the mad pedestrian cheat, the mad um, traffic cheat, and also the cheat that gives pedestrian weapons. And then I would run all the way with no vehicles from one end of t- to the map to the other to see how long I could survive for because you're constantly getting attacked and like cars are trying to bump into you and there's tanks everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it was like a nice little... Could you like, fight back or you just ran? Literally it, 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 it depends. I created little stories and little characters sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'd be like a soldier and I'd spawn at like the military base and I have to get here. So I'd have like a few weapons with me and stuff. Sometimes I'd be like a little taxi driver and I need to get by. It was pretty fun to be fair. But yeah. can't really replicate that fun unless, I don't know, you're modding a copy of GTA 5 to fucking do something mad. Because like you said, you don't really get those cheats anymore. Yeah. I don't think I ever had any like physical hacks, you know, like you know, like using a rubber band holding the control and stuff like that. Mm. I don't think I've ever had. Like, definitely, there was, in talking of Gran Turismo, there was definitely those 24-hour races that if you simulated, you could put in three times speed, so there'd be like eight hours. Um, oh, and good. I definitely came second in those a lot of times, and it was just like, just <laughs> incredibly infuriated. I had like 99.7% on one save, and I was just like, I just this one 24-hour race, and I wasn't going to play it, was I? <laughs> Who wants to play a 24-hour race? What are they thinking? <laughs> but there we go. Emma, have you ever cheated no. in a game? <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have, and I I don't think I have. I'm uh, I'm very much like... I think you're too honest. I'm very behaved, very yeah. sensible, you know. Mm, I'll, like I'll, fry I'll grind through it. I'll, yeah. I'll stick there. I mean, I don't think I'd do a 24-hour race. That would be too no, much, it's, it's I think, it's not, definitely. It's not yeah. But yeah. Fair enough. If you've uh, done the hardware hacks of, t- so to speak, like I don't know, uh, sticking, I don't know, using, I don't know, um, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of something, <laughs> using four paper clips and a frub to unlock something in a game. I don't know. Brilliant. Let us know. Um, well, I could do with a, oh, this heat, I tell you, I could do with a frozen frub right oh, now. Oh, frozen frubs are so good. I don't think I've ever yeah. had a frub. Really? Oh, never. Not even like in your lunchbox or. No, I've never had a frub. Oh, Mate, freeze Jesse. a frube and you'll have a lovely Do they time. still exist? Yeah, I don't know. I think so. I had some recently. They're still good. You can get yeah. a pack of nine for £2.25 at Tesco. That's a bargain. Freeze those <laughs> and you've got nine delicious frozen treats there. Great. Um, 
Yeah. No, that's, a, that's you know that's a recommendation for everyone. Um, freeze your fruits. Do it. I sound drunk. Oh no. Yeah. But there we go. <laughs> freeze your fruits, everyone. I I've just got an email. Saw what's coming up next? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got an email from Scott Zeal who says, "Hey all, love the show as always. Hope you're all well. Getting through, Scott. I'm getting through. But thank you." Um, on the feedback from last week, asking about the weirdest toppings on a pizza, I think I've found the god of all pizzas. During lockdown, when things were sort of half open and you could order food to collect, one of the few places that took order when I was staying with family in the countryside was an Italian restaurant which offered a spaghetti bolognese pizza. Why? I'm a big f- <laughs> oh, it sounds great. I mean, I, I, oh, I, I, I love spaghetti bolognese. Um, I'm a big fan this is Scott again now this isn't me I'm a big fan of the old spag bowl so I was immediately drawn to it but when I tell you I've never eaten something so good my god this is <laughs> unbelievable they sent I mean I don't think this bit needed um, explaining Scott but thank you for doing it they essentially cooked a spaghetti bolognese whacked it on top of an uncooked pizza then cut them together for a little longer I was happy having I was having them weekly until I Jesus. then moved back to London as things began to open up it's been many years now since I last tasted heaven, <laughs> and despite numerous times of trying to recreate it at home, I've never been able. It's never been the same, and I feel like there will always be this pizza-shaped hole in my heart. I mean, what do we think about? Uh, there's a little bit more to this email, but what? Firstly, what do we think about the spaghetti bolognese pizza? <clears throat> Have you ever made a spaghetti bolognese sandwich? I've done that. Yes, whole thing. many times. To Not, be fair, that slaps. Wait, or on, a lasagna sandwich. Why did you do this? I, I think why because like. You? If you if you know how to make a really good like rich bolognese, mm. like I was gonna say Ragu. spell for some reason I don't know why that came to mind, <laughs> but a really nice bolognese and it goes very well in a sandwich as well. So, yeah, yeah. but not the pasta, just just the sauce and the sometimes meat. the pasta's involved as oh, well. No, it depends if you want to finish the pasta off. Like I ask you this question: What meal is not made better by putting in between two bits of bread? Uh, I mean, it's just it's the carbs. On carbs, right? That's, that's but you'd have some problem. garlic bread with the pizza uh, with um the pasta, wouldn't you? I guess, but you have that. I don't think I've ever had garlic bread and pasta. Yeah, right? but why don't you get two bits of garlic bread and put the bolognese in between it? I mean, that's awesome. I don't awesome. do that to me. Yeah, but you can scoop it up though at the end. That sounds delicious. I'm just hungry um, now. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I garlic bread is maybe my favourite food. I love garlic bread. At really, anyway. of all the food I in love the world. <laughs> Just I mean, my, good garlic bread. My local Iceland closed down like not too long ago, so my like you can find better garlic bread than that though. Yeah, but it was the closest garlic bread, and it was easy garlic bread. <laughs> yeah, so the closest garlic bread is always the best garlic bread. <laughs> there we go. I <laughs> um, on IGN dot com. As long as you uh, best or worst pizza toppings. Uh, what what's the weird? Oh, I was just gonna say, what's the weird thing you made a sandwich? We literally did a whole special on that too. Yeah, years, yeah. <laughs> literally running out of ideas on the spot. Um, Let's just bring it back again. <laughs> more pizza stories are welcome though, because there is an end to Scott's email here that says bonus pizza. When I was in Croatia many years ago, I asked for a margarita pizza with a hot dog topping, assuming they'd know what I meant. Sadly, they didn't. Photo attached. So um, I'm going to explain this uh, quite sad image. Can this, be the, can this image. be the thumbnail? 
to the po- I I think that could be arranged actually. Yeah. Like, why 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 trap people if it was Starfield when we could have this? Um <laughs> I think a lot of people maybe when they imagine a hot dog pizza maybe you'd slice the hot dog up in, you know, into like s- small slices and then yes. just like put those across the like dash them across the pizza like you would like a pepperoni or something. Um no, this pizza is literally it's a round pizza but then just <laughs> one hot dog placed through um the diameter of of the circle, it's yeah. not um, even in the middle. Yeah, I was going to say it's not centered well. at all. <laughs> so you'd probably have this on what three or four of the slices. Let's say you cut it into eight, you'd have it on maybe four of them. It um, looks like a, a nice hot dog, nice sausage though. To be, I mean, it looks like the pizza itself looks like it could be actually, a nice pizza. The more that I look at it now, the left side of the sausage looks like a fingernail to me. Now it looks like a what? like a long finger. I don't <laughs> oh, know. It kind of does. Yeah. Yeah, you can see mm. the fingernail like on the left. It looks less oh. appealing to me now. To be the fair, the only way you'll find a picture of this fo- of this pizza is if you search for the podcast on IGN.com. So that's literally the only place this um this image will go. This or is maybe exclusive we'll content. Yeah, who knows? Give us those page clicks for the sausage pizza. It's like we don't want people to listen to this podcast. Like <laughs> Fifteen to 20,000 people do weekly. but um, That is an insane number. Yeah, when you think about we're putting pictures of a hot dog pizza on the thumbnail as opposed to maybe saying our Starfield thoughts, which but people might be interested in. I feel in. like everyone will just sort of like be like, oh, Starfield, maybe I'm not in the mood. But if they see dodgy finger sausage yeah. pizza, they'll be like, I want to have a look at that. Yep. Um, brilliant. Emma, last piece of feedback. Let's get this done. <laughs> <laughs> this feedback's from CJ in Nebraska. <gasps> CJ Wobbly. says, hello all. Hope everyone is well, especially the newest member of the podcast, Canon Wesley. The presumably joking conversation about Wes losing his job if he doesn't like the prestige made me wonder, have you ever made a snap, snap judgment of someone who you just met based on a movie they either liked or didn't like? Obviously, I mean, sorry, go on. I mean, yeah, all the time, but I don't, yes. you know, You're actually, judging I constantly. don't actually say it. I give them a chance. But, do you, you know. do the eyebrow, like, lift, like, oh? Well, uh, no, maybe he'll make a comment. Head. He'll make a comment. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let him know. Um, anyway, carry on, sorry. Obviously, everyone can like or dislike whatever, and it's very reductive to judge some someone based on movie <laughs> taste, but have you done it? <laughs> and CJ says, I remember being in college, and someone I just met said, I get how someone could not understand the movie Garden State, but not how someone could not like it, which immediately made me assume I did not see the world the same way as this person. In this case, I was correct. Has any has anything similar ever happened to you? As always, thank you for all the many hours of um, joy you'll provide and respect the sea. Thank you, CJ. Um, there was like some... Uh, like you said, everything's subjective. Like, you know... I. The Godfather is maybe my, it's perhaps probably my favourite film. Uh, I can get if someone goes, uh, I don't know, mm. I don't like it. I, I I don't quite understand it, but I know some people might think maybe it's a bit slow. I, it's not. It's perfect. I can't but, remember if like Joe Scrabs dislikes the Lord of the Rings trilogy films. Oh, think, he does. Yeah, I think he finds them very, very <laughs> boring. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember saying, like, you know, uh, fucking Fellowship of the Ring was one of my favourite films, and Joe's like... <laughs> face turning in disgust and i was like oh man but you know what i, I still like joe so yeah. it's all good there are some like films to me that it's just like you never hear someone say they don't like so it's really weird when you hear it so like if you ever met someone who doesn't like jurassic park if they say they don't like it it's very weird yeah i don't think i've never heard that have. personally mm. yeah and, that's a good like point you, if someone went yeah i, don't, I think jurassic park's boring 
you would probably. If it was any of the films know, after yeah, the first one, again. I'd be like, fair enough. Oh yeah, but yeah. Jurassic, I'm told like mm. Jurassic Park. I have met people that don't think Jaws is very good. Again, I have I no don't... memories of it, and I feel like I've watched it once, like as a kid. You need to watch, yeah, so yeah. I probably need to rewatch it. There's a shark in it. Um, <laughs> wow. Another one for me is like Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you're not finding any joy in Raiders of the Lost Ark, then I don't know, mm. frankly, what you want in life. <laughs> Um, That's interesting you bring that up, actually. We were talking to Dale this week about Indiana Jones. Uh, No, I don't don't think he dislikes it necessarily. I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I don't think he, like, he loves it as much as, like, a lot of people. That's fine. As long as he likes it, you know, that's fine. If he was like, I hate Raiders of the Lost Ark, then I don't think it was hate. I'm pretty sure it wasn't hate. Um, But no, most of the time, pretty fine. I, I may joke, like, what are you talking about if someone says like <laughs> you know I can understand why someone wouldn't like there will be blood I can fully understand why you wouldn't like it <laughs> I was you know, forced to watch it in the so worst forced. circumstances I sat next to you on a plane I was you like, stared you at me for hours and you're like you have to watch this Jesse you watched I was like, it, you fine. clicked to watch it like 10 minutes into the flight what are you talking about <laughs> um, but Ugh. yeah I'm sure there's plenty of films out there that you know I hate that people like yeah, I don't, I don't think, think I've ever called either. someone out for it. Like, how do you mm. not love that? Like, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Anyway, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com for weird pizza toppings. Um, what would Fryer Tuck transform into? Um, What's your favourite maximal pizza topping? Yeah, what? Yeah, what? Yeah, transformer. Would you want in a stuffed crust? I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's. Should we just end this? Um, what? What music should we have? Um, I mean, all the Starfield music's pretty damn good. It's really good. Much of that. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's so relaxing get... as well. I feel oh, like that's a so good way good. to get into the weekend. You God, know? I can't wait for that. Game. Or Friar Tuck's theme. I'm sure that exists somewhere. I don't know what that would be. I'm sorry, Jesse. It's it's Starfield. Um, Damn it. Yeah. Good. All right. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Once upon a time, there was a girl who dreamed of flying through the stars, who dared to resist injustice, who lived to a beat and a rhythm that was all her own. Her name was Chloe, Frida, Oprah, Celia Cruz, Josephine, Greta, Ruth, Alice. One day, she wondered, could today be the beginning of something new? This was her one opportunity to do something, something big. So that's exactly what she did. Along the way, she discovered that she wasn't alone. Her body felt strong, her mind sharp. She was prepared to work as hard as it took. Her words were making a real change, and she felt powerful. I'm Gail King. I'm Andrea Day. I'm Diane Gibbons. I'm Lindsay Vaughn. I'm Jamila Jamal. I'm Anita Hill. I'm Brenda Chapman. I'm Alana Glazer. And this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio.